again, and thank you for coming back to listen to another episode. I just wanted to let you guys know I really, really appreciate you taking the time to listen to me talk about whatever the fuck is going on in my head at the time. I um I really, really just want to let you guys know how much it means to me um, doing this this little podcast of mine and. I know sometimes I give a little bit of unsolicited advice. I give a lot of unsolicited <laughs> advice, but I, you know, I don't want anyone to think that I don't appreciate each and every one of you that listen, even if it's only five people. I, I appreciate you and um, it means a lot. So I just wanted to throw that out before I started bullshitting for the next 30 odd minutes or so. Um, thank you. I really really appreciate each and every one of your ears and enough of that schmaltzy shit um just wanted to give a another kind of I guess shortish short ish kind of podcast I have a trouble saying my s's I know you guys have noticed but it's okay it's it's I'm imperfect in my perfect state Um, Since it's back to school time for a lot of kids or getting ready to to gear up for back to school time, I wanted to talk about some of my favorite school time horrors or horror that takes place in schools, if that makes any amount of sense (laughs) at all. You have to bear with me because I've had a lot of coffee today, so I'm trying to not be as hyper, but I think I'm feeling, but that's okay. Uh, let's see. I wanted to talk about some of the horror films that I enjoy that take place in school or revolve around school or students. And there's a shit ton of them. So you guys already know that. You also already know my spiel. I'm not going to get to everyone's favorites, but just a few of mine that I really like. And I always like to talk about ones that I hope people haven't seen, or if they haven't seen, maybe they'll watch it again and take a different take on it when they watch it after hearing me go on ad nauseum about them. But I just want to start out with one I recently watched um, a few weeks ago, maybe maybe at the beginning of July, I think it was, uh, Disturbing Behavior. <laughs> now, I know a lot of people are like groaning at Disturbing oh, that's bullshit. But Disturbing Behavior came out in 1999, and um, at the time of me recording this, it's currently streaming on HBO Max and Hulu if you have a subscription to those services. I I don't know if it will be if you listen to this much later, but for the time being, it's currently on HBO Max and Hulu. And one of the things that I love about Disturbing Behavior is it's a little bit like part Stepford Wives, and um, it's all about these teens that they use kind of as these Stepford children. And there actually was a a Stepford children movie, but it's the same kind of vein. Um, I I really enjoy Disturbing Behavior a lot more than I probably should, but I like a lot of those late 90s, uh, early 2000 horror flicks. Uh, The 80s is my bread and butter because I grew up watching those. But there's something about these films, they're inescapably 90. So no matter when you watch it, you can pinpoint that it is the 90s because 
the attire, the soundtrack, the actors that are in it at the time, it kind of gives it a dead giveaway. And most of these usually have like Kevin Williamson writing the screenplay or, you know, just a lot of familiar faces or a lot of faces that ended up being bigger name stars. So I've got a kind of a weird love for these type of movies. But with Disturbing Behavior, we have um, this town that decided rebellious teens, people going through their teenage angsty emo goss phase, um, they decide, these, these parents collectively decide that they need their kids to be better people and they have a clearly mad scientist type person um, and he decides that he has come up with a way to brainwash or kind of neuter these kids um, for their impulsive actions to, to save them from that, to make them better people. And he can kind of, um, I guess, hypnotize or kind of brainwash them so that they are decent, upstanding youth, which is scary in its own right. But when he does this, uh, apparently it doesn't take a, a complete 100% effect because the children and the teens in this film, whenever they uh, start thinking about sex too much or um, if they have certain things that they're not supposed to do, their brain kind of goes into overdrive. And so they end up acting in a violent manner, lashing out because they can't they can't do what they want to do, which to me is a, is a great uh, way of saying what teenage years is. I mean, you, you're still, you're not quite an adult. You're not a child. You're figuring yourself out. And it, it astonishes me that these parents are pretty much fucking okay with them doing this to their own children. But their resident quack is played by Bruce Greenwood. And he does that that hypnotizing or brainwashing um, kind of almost like a clockwork orange with the Levicchio technique where they they have to kind of excise that part of the teen that they don't want to keep the parts that they do want. And um, when we see this movie, it starts out with a guy and a girl doing what teenage people do. They go in a car to like a secluded area of town and then they just sit out there and they neck and they, they make out, you know, they may not do the entire deed, but they kind of make out a little. And um, the girl is really, really hot. And the guy is, you know, decent looking and they're kissing and doing all the stuff. And then he's like, oh, wait, we got to stop. I got to, I got to save my fluids. We've got the, the big game <laughs> coming up or whatever, <laughs> wrestling match or something. And I remember the very first time I saw this movie, I was like, save his fluids. What the f- is going on here it, it gets a little nutter butter after that and this is just in the opening mind you um and some some things happen and somebody gets killed and then uh there's a little cover-up and we're kind of intrigued um from that point and then we get to see uh the wonderful james marsden who i love and he doesn't get enough love in my my opinion but his family, um, he plays this character named Steve, his family, they moved to Cradle Bay, which is the name of this little kind of gee golly wow area that they're moving to. Um, 
and we know we can see if him and his sister and his family are moving there, we already kind of get a heads up that it's probably not a good move and it's definitely not going to turn out well for him and his sister. Um, but what's so funny is that when they show these kids uh, being typical high schoolers and not doing anything that, you know, their parents probably didn't fucking do, um, they get turned into what they call the blue ribbons. And when I saw that, I was like, okay, they kind of sound like Hitler Youth, but <laughs> let me see where this is going. Um, so the Blue Ribbon kids, and they end up becoming kids from a bygone era. Um, they're like, you know, gee, golly, swell. You know, they're dressing and like they're from the 1950s down to their haircut, um, the things that they say. And it's, it's crazy because they suppress those things that are naturally supposed to happen. And when they suppress them, we get the opposite end of the spectrum, which is insane, uh, like almost animalistic violence that, that comes from these people. I, um, I really enjoy this film because I think it says a lot about adolescence and what parents fear and, um, you know, it's not, it's not out of the realm of possibility to think that there would be, you know, in the distant future, somebody would try to do this to control people. It's a pretty scary thought, actually, um, to not have free will or free thought, even though this is a natural course of life that you, of course, don't want to be like your parents and you do things to irritate them and, you know, push your boundaries. But the one thing I will say with Disturbing Behavior, it's not a great film, but it's a really fun watch. And I think at the time, um, it was probably one of Katie Holmes. Katie Holmes is what is is the girl in this movie. And um, I think it might have been maybe one of her first big roles on the big screen while she was either still on Dawson's Creek or maybe Dawson's Creek was getting ready to end. But I love the whole cast because um, James Marsden, like I said, he he doesn't get enough love. He's he, everybody pretty much hated on him as Cyclops in the X-Men movies. And those those movies were not great. I thought he was a great Cyclops. I still love him. I love him on Westworld. Um, he's just one of those actors that I, I feel like he should have been bigger and he never was. But I just have this huge torch for him. <laughs> I don't know why, but I do. And he really carries the bulk part of this film. He does all of the heavy lifting for this film. And it's cheesy in parts and it's messy in parts. But I really do love his performance in this. And I love uh, the fact that he's a, a, a concerned brother and wants to protect his little sister from what his parents have in store for them. And there's a little backstory as to why the parents move there and why they want this procedure to go um, as planned with him. And, and you get to see that their motives aren't terrible. Uh, it's a terrible thing to want to do that to your children, but you, you kind of see the method to their madness and why they've dri been driven to do this. Another great um, character that I like is Nick Stahl, who, in my opinion, is such a great actor. And he had some issues and you know for a while his star was on the rise and he had some issues and now he's you know he's kind of coming back to show business and um I did an episode a while back about mental health and and horror film and how it's portrayed and um you know 
even when you need help, sometimes you don't know how to get help. And I, I'm glad that he has gotten the help that he's needing, that he needed to, to get back to where he was. Cause he's a really outstanding actor. I think I love almost everything that I've ever seen him in. And, um, his performance, Nick Stahl in this is, is really great because he is basically Steve, he's uh, Marsden's guide for Cradle Bay and the living, how to live amongst everybody in Cradle Bay. And he's actually the audience's guide because he gives you all of the backstory on the cliques in high school that we're all familiar with. You know, you got the stoners, the skaters, the jocks, the blue ribbons, the nobodies, like what they are. And, um, his whole story arc is really good too, because some things happen to him and I love the development of that character. Um, you know, he's full on conspiracy theorist and kind of off the rails a bit. And then some things happened to him that I didn't expect. And I was pleasantly surprised by it. I, I was actually shocked at how well it worked. Um, like I said, it's a, it's a really low budget film. I mean, it's not, it's not scream. But upon repeated watching, I really appreciate what disturbing behavior was, um, especially for the late 90s. And then we also get a, another great performance by William Sadler, who's in everything for the longest. And um, he plays this janitor that acts like, you know, he's 18 sandwiches short of a fucking picnic he has no idea what's going on, but he's very well in tune with what's going on. And he's so much smarter than he looks. You know, he mutters to himself and he talks like he's, you know, like his brain is not working, but he knows exactly what's been going on. And he's been keeping an eye on a, a lot of things. And, you know, sometimes in order to not get, I guess, it, to not have people look at you, you have to pretend like you're something you're not. Um, he does a really good job of that. Oh, and then this movie also has a um, a very young Catherine Isabel who um, went on to star in the Ginger Snaps franchise. She also was in uh, the horror movie Bones, <laughs> the one with Snoop Dogg. Um, and she also is in one of my favorite roles of, of hers, uh, American Mary by the Soska sisters. I, I really loved seeing her as uh, James Marsden's younger sister because she's completely oblivious to what her parents have in store. And, you know, you don't see a lot of her, but when you do see her, you can you can see like a little budding star in the making. But it's only about 84 minutes, so it's a really short watch, but it is really enjoyable as hell. And like I said earlier, it's it's not... In my mind, it's not that far-fetched that parents would actually resort to mind control during those teen years because, you know, some parents are at their wits' end. They don't know how to raise their children or what to do with them when they're in that that state or that that particular phase of their life. Um, it's it's really not too far out of the realm. I know it's science fiction and I know it's it's fake, but. You know, you think about the things that people do in the stay in time now. It's it isn't that far to to think that might be something they may do in the future. God help us if they do. But um, yeah, disturbing behavior. It's it's really good. Um, it's it's that cheesy, really good, really bad, really good. You know, like you just need a a cheesy movie to kind of check out <laughs> and just 
go with the flow of the 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 really unbelievable bullshit that's going on in that film but it's a lot of fun um and the, oh there's a guy in this film who um he plays this character called uv and he basically looks like an albino and he's nick Stahl's best friend they're both like little stoners or whatever and uv is actually played by um i i apologize i can't remember the actor's name but he played todd in final destination he was uh Devin saw his friend that that uh, had the mishap in the bathroom that I still cannot watch that that scene because it makes me cringe every time I watch it. I just want to jump out of my skin. But uh, oh, another side note. Got a lot of side notes with this one. Um, if you like disturbing behavior and if you have not seen uh, the Twilight Zone reboot that was in the early 2000, I want to say it ran from like 2002 to 2003. Uh, the very first episode of that Twilight Zone reboot uh, has uh, Forrest Whitaker as the narrator, you know, in the Rod Sterling um, place. And there is an episode called Evergreen, very first episode, um, right out the gate, it was a banger. And it has a very similar theme as far as parents moving to a community to kind of control their rebellious teen. Um, it stars Amber Tamblyn as the rebellious teen which always makes me laugh because she just looks so adorable i know she's not <laughs> as as you know sugary sweet as she looks in real life probably but it just made me laugh because at the time i was watching the show called joan of arcadia and she was just very wholesome on that but when you watch i i would i would say not so much a double billing but if you have an afternoon like i said disturbing behavior is only 84 minutes watch that one and then go and watch that Twilight Zone episode. You probably can find it on YouTube or somewhere streaming. It's called Evergreen. Same plot. Very bleak ending. You know, all the Twilight Zones have a little twist ending. And that uh, that ending was bleak as shit. Like, <laughs> when, I, when I got to the end of that Twilight Zone episode, I think my mouth was agape. Like, I just could not believe what I just saw. And they even kind of telephone it in for you when you first start watching the very beginning of the episode, what it's about. Um, but those are, those are my two. I would, I would put those together and, and maybe probably even throw in the next one that I'm about to talk about, which is a little film called The Faculty. Now, The Faculty came out in 1998, and it is currently streaming on HBO Max if you have a premium subscription. Once again, I'm telling you that now. If you listen to this a year or two from now, then shit, it might not be there, because from what I understand, HBO Max might not be there, but whatever. It's there right now. I will say I love this film. Uh, once again, it's one of those late 90s, early 2000 flicks. There's something inescapable about those. And I think Scream has just ruined me. And I just love watching movies from that particular time frame. But you can tell it's an undeniable 90s film. Once again, the soundtrack, the way people are dressed, um, certain things that they, they reference. And depending on who's starring in it, you really can tell. This one is a really fun sci-fi horror flick and it's directed by Robert Rodriguez. The screenplay screen well, I can't say the word screenplay was done by Kevin Williamson, who we should be familiar with because he also wrote Scream. And it's got a shit ton of stars. It's got Elijah Wood, Clea Duvall, Sean Hatosi, um 
Jordana Fast and Furious Brewster. Uh, it has Usher in a very small role. I remember when this film came out, they kind of touted it with um, some Tommy Hilfiger ads. And I was, I, I did not want to see this movie because I was like, Tommy Hilfiger, uh, I don't know, you know, and then we see Usher and I think we saw um, uh, Quincy Jones' uh, daughter, um, oh gosh, I can't remember her name, but she was another one that was in the ad. So you made it, it made it look like, oh, you've got some black people in this horror movie. Usher's in this movie for all of fucking 10 minutes, but you know, they wanted to make sure people knew that so they could get some urban bodies in the seat, I'm assuming. Um, but he's in a blink or miss role. I mean, I think his screen time total might be 10 minutes tops, if that long. Um, and then, oh, we also have my husband and another another multiverse, Josh Hartnett. I don't know what it is about Josh Hartnett. And maybe it's the voice. I don't know. But I absolutely love him. So those are all our teens. That's what we have to deal with. And they are for, I guess, this film, our, our heroes, <laughs> so to speak. And then we have uh, Salma Hayek, John Stewart, B.B. Newworth, Famke Jansen, Robert Patrick, and a horror alum, uh, Piper Laurie, as the faculty, the aforementioned faculty. Now, I absolutely love this one. It's got a little bit of everything. So we have homages to The Thing, We've got Invasion of the Body Snatchers. We've got the Stepford Wives. A little bit of Blue Velvet because, you know, sinister shit going on in the white picket fence cookie cutter type of Americana. Um, we also have The Breakfast Club. I think The Breakfast Club is probably the biggest homage in this film. And a little bit of Scooby-Doo. <laughs> so we got some Scooby-Doo shit going on. So we don't know who the fuck the alien is. We don't know where the alien came from. We don't know. It's like a whole alien thing, you know? So I love that whole theme of teenage cliques and teen alienation, no pun intended, and those feels of being in high school. Because in this film, in the faculty, at least for me, it's pretty spot on. We get introduced to these characters one by one. We get to see what their high school experience is like. You know, Casey's the nerd and everybody picks on him. And, you know, at the beginning of the film, we see him getting flagged polled. If you don't know what flag polling is, you must not have gone to high school or you didn't go to high school when I went to high school because this shit was rampant. Now I would be pressing charges, but back then, you know, it's like, oh, boys will be boys. Um, then we see Stokely, who's clearly our resident goth dressed in black and, you know, black island or nobody wants to hang with her. She may or may not be a lesbian. We don't really know. Um, we've got Jordana Brewster, who's, you know, queen cheerleader, mega bitch, dating her boyfriend, Stan, who's, you know, quarterback and head of the football team. And then we've got Zeke, who's our resident rebel. You know, he's selling fake drugs from his car, fake IDs, whatever he needs to do to give himself this kind of bad boy persona. That's what we get from him. And maybe that's why I love Josh Hartnett so much, because he does kind of embody that but then we get to also see that these so-called archetypes are these these people that everybody assumes that they are are not exactly who they are at all. And that to me spoke volumes about 
people's perception of who you are in high school. And even if that's who you are, you're not necessarily going to remain that person. We think high school is forever until we grow out of it and we get up and become adults. And we see that shit that we made a big deal about was like passable considering the shit that we're dealing with currently in the world. Um, it's a great film. It's campy. It knows it's not like an Oscar caliber winning shit. <laughs> you know, it's like, it is what it is. And you enjoy the fact that they know that this is just some campy BS bullshit. And we're just enjoying the fuck out of ourselves right now. Um, and my tongue got a little tied there. So you just did roll with that. I think that this is entertaining. And I know just like disturbing behavior, parts of it can seem messy. And yeah, the teenagers talk like they're adults, but we're dealing with Kevin Williamson dialogue. So of course, you know, there's going to be a lot more than just the average teen saying the average thing. Uh, there's even one part where something happens and one of the teens goes, isn't it about, isn't this when somebody says we should get the fuck out of here? And then somebody goes, yeah, let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> you know, so they're very aware of how meta this is and, and what, what they are. Um, I I really enjoy it a lot just because it's got a little bit of everything that I love. It, you know, The Breakfast Club is one of those movies I grew up watching over and over and over, and we can all kind of identify with that. And The Faculty gives me that same kind of feeling when I watch it, just with a horror aspect <laughs> added on to it, which is my bread and butter, and I absolutely love that shit. All of that is my jam with super, super thick jelly on top. Where else are you going to see a group of kids that normally wouldn't even be seen talking to each other in high school at all, let alone having to now work together to stop an alien invasion and try to figure out what the fuck to do? I really um, think it was clever and inventive also to equate an alien invasion with losing your identity or the identity of who you want to become. And they do a really good job of portraying all of these people. I do think it's funny that they tried to make Salma Hayek look like a really dowdy nurse, like a dowdy school nurse, you know, her hair's all up and she looks like she's got, you know, she's sick and blowing her nose. And I'm like, Salma Hayek couldn't look like shit if she tried, like even on her worst day, she looks like a goddamn goddess. So (laughs) that wasn't even trying to be in the realm of possibility, but here I'm okay. I'm okay with that because I know it's a movie and I'm enjoying the fucking ride. I, I just, it always makes me laugh. Um, especially when Jon Stewart's hitting on her. Oh, and then they kind of telegraph a few things out because he's trying to hit on Salma Hayek and she's ignoring the fucking shit out of him. And he's like, why don't I just stick a pen in my eye? If you haven't seen the faculty, I'm a spoiler shit for you right now. Somebody actually does stick a pen in his eye and it is actually quite clever. And I didn't catch that until I watched it like multiple times. I was like, holy shit, he just said that. And now they did that. I love when films do that. It's uh, that that throwback call, that, that Chekhov's gun that you weren't thinking about. And then here it is, lo and behold, in your fucking face. And another thing I do like about the faculty is, well, I'll just say it, spoiler alert, the alien is female we get a female that is, in my opinion, a modern femme fatale. I've never seen an alien femme fatale. You know, aliens usually come in, they want to blow shit up or probe your ass or (laughs) whatever it is that they want to do to take over the world. And we get a female alien 
who's trying to seduce everyone with this promise of a world where everyone is the same and everyone is accepted for who they are. And, you know, we can all live in this one harmonious kind of mind hive like state. And I really love the fact that they, they played that as a woman, you know, she, she was doing whatever she could do to be, to let them know that she was going to take over. There's no use to resist it because it's going to happen. And I I know that's a universal theme with a lot of the aliens, you know, the slither. I can't say, I can't say S's, slither <laughs> is one of those where, you know, the alien comes and everybody's just going to be this one collective, you know, society. Um, she was really selling it and, and the faculty of, you know, aren't you tired of being alone? Aren't you tired of not being accepted? Aren't you tired of pretending to be, something other than what you are. And I think that says a lot about women in, in general in high school um, or people in general in high school, but m- mainly women, you know, just society wants you to be one way and you don't want to be that way. And I, it has a, a lot of, uh, a lot of themes in this film. I don't know. It didn't kind of stick with me until I had repeated viewings, I guess. The one thing I will say I do absolutely fucking hate about the faculty and it's the same thing I hate about the fucking breakfast club and if you're online or you've been on social media you've probably seen this meme going around the worst part of the breakfast club and the worst part about the faculty are the same goddamn thing here we have Ali Sheedy who's in the breakfast club and she's dressed similar to Stokely you know they are kind of masking themselves from the world they're in their goth attire I like to just assume that they are goth girls and that's the way they fucking like to dress because when I was in high school all I fucking wore was black I'm an adult all I fucking like to wear is black it's still to this day it hasn't wasn't a phase I didn't change I still like wearing black clothes not because I'm hiding anything. I just like fucking wearing black clothes. And the thing that pisses me off, and I know I'm going off on a tangent, this has nothing to do with the actual movie, but it kind of does. The whole part of the movie is about accepting who you are and not hiding yourself. And then in The Breakfast Club, Ali Sheedy is wearing all of this kind of goth emo stuff and black eyeliner and shit. And at the end, Molly Ringwald comes along and she's like, oh, let me fix you. You shouldn't wear all this black shit and blah, blah, blah. And we all think it's cute and we laugh. And, you know, at the time I thought it was hilarious. But why the fuck did Ali Sheedy have to change and look different? in order for the boy to like her. And they do the exact same goddamn thing in the faculty. I know I just went off on a really horrible tangent right there, and I I probably won't edit this. It pisses me off to no end. They did the exact same fucking thing in the faculty. Stokely, played by Clea Duvall, is dressed in all her black shit. She's got her fucking black eyeliner. She looks awesome. The minute they save the world (laughs) from this alien invasion... Here she goes, fucking pulling an Ali Sheedy. And, you know, we see her and she's got like fucking, you know, girly pink pastel shit on. I know, I know I'm going off on a tangent now, but why the fuck do they have to be ultra girly in order for boys to deem them attractive? I don't give a fuck if a boy deems me attractive or not. Either you're going to take this shit (laughs) the way that I give it to you or you ain't going to fucking take it. I, I don't, I don't like that bullshit. It's, it's utter garbage. (laughs) it's just garbage garbage if you want to get fancy with it okay I don't give a fuck if the jock likes her with this new look 
he should like her with the old fucking look. And from what I remember, he fucking made out with her with that look that she had to begin with. Maybe he liked that dark shit. I don't know. Stop doing that shit, Hollywood. Nobody needs that. We don't we don't fucking want it. No woman is asking for it. I don't need his approval. Fuck that shit. Going back to the movie. Now that my tiny rant is over. I'm just saying, if he liked her with all that black eyeliner and the way she was, why the fuck? Are y'all gonna change? Why? Why are you fucking with it? Don't fuck with that. Shit. <laughs> I'm getting back to the movie. Sorry, I digress a little too angrily, but I'm okay. I um would like to say I also love that in this film we get a final boy, Elijah Wood playing Casey was one of my favorite highlights about this movie. And yes, I did go on about Josh Hartnett, and I love looking at him. I absolutely do. He would be a boy in high school I would just look at all day in class, probably, that would not even know I existed. Maybe. I don't know. Donna, get your head together. Okay, so Casey. (laughs) Sorry, y'all. Casey is one of my favorites because he's nerdy. You know, like I said at the beginning, we see him getting picked on. He's getting flagpoled. And then he ends up being smarter and braver than even he probably thought he could be. He is our final boy. And out of all the people that you would probably bet on in this movie to be the last person standing, he was probably the last one that I thought, I didn't expect him to be the first one to get taken out, but I really did not expect him to be the final boy. Once again, if you haven't seen The Faculty, I'm so sorry because I just spoiled all that shit for you, but you should still watch it and enjoy the fucking ride because it is a fun fucking ride. I... Loved it from beginning to end, and I love watching it, and I love seeing all of the horror comparisons and horror tropes that, you know, they kind of make fun of in a very smart way. Um, And there's a lot of preposterous scenes. Once again, it can be messy and muddled. I just enjoy the ride for what it is, and I love seeing teens that work the shit out, and they actually triumph over triumphing over evil as uh Willem Dafoe <laughs> said in in Boondock Saints I'm sorry I'm thinking all these other movies but they do triumph over this alien invasion in a very unconventional way um even to the point where Casey gets to have one of those little you know smart action movie quips at the end um when he takes out the alien but it's a really fun ride so for me I'm just throwing this out here I would do a double feature night And I would probably pair disturbing behavior with the faculty and then throw in that evergreen episode from the Twilight Zone, just because they're very similar. That whole thing of teen alienation and and figuring out where you are in life before you venture into adulthood. And there's just so many things in there that it's just a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to watch. And if you go in just enjoying the ride, you'll enjoy it. Um, I do want to point out, though, Josh Hartnett, Even with that squire haircut he wore for most of the late 90s and early 2000s, he still managed to slay ass, right? Like, he still, like, there's some women that, my God, he probably banged a lot of hotties back in the day. With that haircut, though, what was up with that? Somebody needs to give me some answers. I mean, he's a hottie, but that haircut, it's like he walked into his barbers and said, yo, hook me up with that 16th century squire cut. And that's what he got. But the man was a star 
still with that haircut. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. Moving, moving along, like the Muppets would say, moving right along. Um, what do I have next? Because y'all know I usually make a little list of stuff. I, I promise I will try to make this as short as possible. I will try not to go off on a tangent, but some some things in movies really irritate me, and that that is one of them. Um, did not care for them cleaning up Stokely. Her character was one of my favorites in that movie. All right, moving along. Shake it off. So next one is Battle Royale. And now Battle Royale came out in 2000. It is currently streaming on Tubi and Amazon Prime Video and Pluto TV. I um, will say I originally watched this one because of an article. Uh, I think it was in Empire Magazine. I used to subscribe to this movie uh, magazine called Empire. And I was obsessed with reading it from cover to cover because they would always have like really unheard of films or, you know, things that we didn't have in, in, these, in the States that maybe would be somewhere else and this one battle royale i ended up watching because uh empire magazine had an article talking about it and i probably still own it because that's how obsessed i am with this movie and it stated that uh quentin tarantino qt himself touted it as one of his favorite films in like two decades and of course i had to see what all the fuss was about because if qt says it's one of your favorite his favorite films you gotta know what the fuck let me see what the fuck this is why would you say it is so i will say this one doesn't take place entirely in a school setting at all really but i still have it on this list because this to me is what obviously the Hunger Games was based on this, right? If you've seen Battle Royale, you you know what I mean. But if you haven't, I I think it had to be. There's no way that that the writer of the Hunger Games could not say that they didn't see this film or at least heard about it. Um it's done so well when you watch Battle Royale, you even for me, I forget that I'm watching kids and and most of the horror movies that have teenagers, we know that it's adults playing these roles. So, it, you know, you kind of have to suspend your belief and, oh, it's a movie. I can take myself away from it. But I really did forget that a lot of these kids were kids. The characters were kids. And um, like I said, it came out in 2000. So hopefully this is now 2022. Most people have probably seen this or at least heard of it. If not, I will try to keep this as spoiler-ish free as I can but it's old it's 22 years old what are you waiting on basically in the near future how the movie starts basically it's in the near future Japanese government has passed a BR act and it they passed this act in order to curb uh their juvenile delinquency problem like they have a lot of really bad teens and it's a lot like it's a lot like the purge you know like you get that one night where you go and you just do whatever the fuck crime, murder, whatever, they pass this act so that they can kind of curb all of these teens that they no longer can control that are doing horrible things. So they get classes of children, tell them they're going on a field trip, and when they're on the bus, they get gassed. (laughs) I don't mean somebody ripped the cheese. I mean, they get, you know, they get knocked out. And so they go uh, taking these kids to a remote island, and I'm, I'm telling this with like manic fever here, but they take these kids to an island. They're 
basically given the rules, uh, they've got collars around their neck. Obviously, when they were gassed, they kind of, you know, put these uh, explosive detonating collars on their necks. And then they're told that they have to fight to the death until they have a victor that emerges. If they refuse to fight, the collar is going to explode. If they try to escape off of this island, the collar is going to explode. If they're in any part of the zone that they're not supposed to be, the collar is going to explode. If they take too long killing people, the collars are going to explode. So you get where I'm going here. You're not going to make it out unless you, it's either kill or be killed. And, you know, people are going to start doing the fight or flight response. And when you flee, you're going to explode. It's, it's really jarring when you first watch it because I didn't know what to expect. I mean, I knew it was going to be violent, but I didn't know what to expect. And when I saw it, I was like, yeesh, thank God I'm not in high school anymore. <laughs> they start doing this shit. I would have been 86 in like five minutes. So they, oh yeah. And they also provide you with weapons. Like you get a duffel bag of, you know, provisions, you get food, you know, stuff that you can help make shelter and you get a weapon. Everybody does not get the fair amount of weapons. Some people get like, you know, tennis rackets. Some people get cookware. <laughs> some people get, you know, some people get knives. Some people get actual weapons, tasers, you know, but they give you like a bunch of shit. Uh, and some of them are helpful. Obviously, if they're giving you like cookware or a frying pan, it's not going to be helpful. But if it's a cast iron frying pan, probably could do some damage with that. It's pretty hefty. Can y'all tell I've been thinking about weapons, <laughs> what I can use? Um, it's all part of all part of living and, you know, trying to figure out what would I do if somebody broke into my house? You know, like that kind of horror mode thinking, but I'm going off on a tangent yet again. So anyway, you can have, um, you know, alliances, you know, some people form alliances, but then when you get down to it, there's only going to be one winner. So even your alliances, at some point, you're going to have to start taking them out. Um, and I don't mean the dinner. I mean, you got to like take them out. So um, I I love Battle Royale. It's, uh, it's violent. It's very fast paced. But it's one of the most original inventive films to this day still for me. Um, I can still go back and watch it. And it still gives me that same kind of glee I got from the very first time I watched it. And they did have a sequel. And the sequel was decent. It, it, to me, it's not as good as the first as the first Battle Royale. I do enjoy it, and I do own it. Uh, but I feel like it's a must-watch. If you haven't seen it and you're not familiar, please watch it. Because it, it just makes the Hunger Games look like, you know, a cakewalk. It looks like... I, I think Battle Royale is best paired with something like Squid Game, even though Squid Game has adults. <laughs> it's, that's the only thing that I can kind of equate it to in the realms of violence and, and just people kind of doing backhanded things. And, uh, it's, it's really clever. You, you just, you owe it to yourself to see it if you haven't. And, uh, I think I made it as spoiler free as I could, I think hopefully, but yeah, hunger games ain't got shit on this to me. That's some, that's some watered down shit. You know what hunger games is? It's like battle Royale is like the top of the line, uh, well, I don't know if you guys have Krispy Kreme donuts, but it's like Battle Royale is like Krispy Kreme. And then Hunger Games is like if you went to your local grocers and got donuts from their deli. 
that's basically what I can I can say. I know people say apples to oranges. I would say Krispy Kreme donuts to store donuts. That's exactly how I feel about it. And, and I'm talking food. I'm sorry. That that's how I make my analogies, man. I I like to eat, so you know that's that's what that is. But if you have not seen Battle Royale, you don't have an excuse because it is out there streaming. You know, by today's standards, it probably isn't as um, horrifying to to most but that's a that's a scary thought to think that you know if we have untamed youth out there they're gonna just say yeah throw them in here buddy and let them duke it out and then we'll we'll knock that population right out the park you know um and the, the overlying theme of at least the first three that i've talked about is trying to control teens and that's such a hypocritical thing, considering that, you know, in order for you to be a parent, you went through your teens and your parents had to put up with your bullshit and they managed to be okay without, you know, brainwashing you or throwing you in a fucking free for all. But what do I know? I I actually like my kids, so I would never do that. But I mean, shit, I had days where I wanted to do it, but you know, you, you live and you learn, I guess. <laughs> so, um, let's see. Sorry, don't mean to be smacking. Uh, the last one I do want to talk about is one that I'm going to try to not give away too much, but this one came out in 1981. Let me back up. The name of the movie is Student Bodies. Student Bodies, 1981. Not Student Body, because there's now a 2022 film called Student Body. This one is Student Bodies, plural like more than one, like a plethora. Okay. So (laughs) this one came out in 1981 and it is available for rental on Apple TV. And I think YouTube, um, for rent. And if you're not familiar with student bodies, plural, this is actually one of the first slasher parody films. And this one is an absolute favorite of mine because One, slasher films are my jam. Y'all know this. I've said this. I will say it again. No shame in my game. Love me some slashers. Okay? And in this one, we have a slasher who calls himself the breather. Like, oh, I just got y'all hot with that one, didn't I? We have a slasher who calls himself the breather. And he calls people to taunt them over the phone before he kills them. Or, you know, just to taunt them over the phone. <laughs> There's, it's, it's a really um, odd horror comedy. And there is still horror in this, even though it is a horror parody comedy. Uh, he likes to stalk the teens just like most slashers do when they're having sex. Bunch of slasher pervs can't let you get it off before they start killing you. <laughs> just like, let me get there first and then you can, let me come and then you can let me go. Okay. <laughs> let me do that part. But, um, slasher pervs trademark. I need to take trademark that slasher pervs TM. And I mean, in this one, obviously if it's a parody, we have all the usual horror tropes that we see teens doing in their teen years. They're drinking, they're smoking weed, they're having sex, they're being alone in places they know they should not be alone. I think somebody's making out in the bottom of like a um, homecoming float or some shit. (laughs) So you can imagine we get the uh, horror trope of the killer point of view cam. Uh, This one is absolutely a, a favorite 
And the one thing I do love among the many things I love in this film is that they give us a body count on screen. Every single time a motherfucker dies, we get to see the number on screen flashing at us. And the creme de la creme of this is you guys know I love me some unconventional weapons. And this film kills our victims with the weirdest fucking weapons you will ever see. I'm just going to give you a few. I ain't even going to give you all of them. You've got someone that gets killed with a paper clip. Yeah, I said it. Somebody gets killed with Clippy. A paper clip. <laughs> you get someone that gets killed with a chalkboard eraser. We also have horsehead bookends. And if anybody's seen this movie, they know exactly what I'm talking about. And I could go on. There's a uh, an emoji that people use a lot that somebody gets killed with, with one of those. And when you see it, if you know, you know. But when you see it, you'll know. And um, I really could go on about the different type of weapons. But really, you got to see it. The fun is seeing these unconventional kills with these weapons now this is still a horror comedy and when you find out who the killer is it's kind of shocking at least for the time i think for 81 this was pretty brave because slasher movies were just starting to get going pretty well and they're they hit all of the points like they hit every single fucking beat but then the movie goes in a different direction altogether and i gotta tell you even this one is all this one is all laughs, even though it's all laughs and it's really funny. Towards the end, it gets really fucking creepy. Like right now to this day, I still cannot watch the end of this film by myself, even though I'm all ha 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 all the way through. By the time I get to the end, it, it rattles my nerves a little bit because it's extremely creepy. And I did not expect to have goosebumps at the end of a horror comedy, but I do um, every time I watch it. So like I said, I it's it's funny, but there's something about that ending that really gives me the fucking heebie-jeebies to no end. Um, if you like horror comedies, you should definitely see and give it a watch um, because it, it really was the, the precursor, prelude or whatever you want to say to Scary Movie. Like we, we didn't really have a whole lot of horror parodies. And like I said, in 81, horror movies and slasher films had just started get, you know going. We just had... Friday the 13th in the 80s, 1980, and this came out in the 81, and we had Halloween in 78, so slasher films haven't really, I mean, they've been around, but, you know, the, the resurgence of, like, the 80s type of, of slasher, this was pretty smart and inventive, I think, for the, the time, for the 80s, so if you get a chance, sorry, smacking, if you get a chance, you should really give that one a whirl, um, just so you can see what a parody film looked like before those scary movie parodies started coming out. Um, to this day, it's still one of my favorites to watch and, you know, one of my favorite high school type of horror films. So I did have a few honorable mentions before I wrap this up. Obviously, Slaughter High, if you haven't seen that, you got to get on it. Uh, there's a great Lucky McKee film, All Cheerleaders Die. That's one of my favorites. A uh, little bit of this. The Craft, a little bit of Jennifer's Body. I mean, it's got a lot of really cool horror things and inventive things and a lot of female empowerment stuff in that film, too. I, I really love it. And some queer characters, um, you know, just a really fun high school horror film. Uh, let's see, what else do I have? Death Bell. Uh, there's one called Detention. 
cutting class, which has a very young Brad Pitt. I absolutely love that film. Class of 84, which is more kind of thriller suspense than horror, but I still love that one. And got Prom Night, uh, Cooties, which is another one that has Elijah Wood. And that's more of like elementary school horror, but it's still, (laughs) it's fun. It's a fun watch. And Dance of the Dead. So those are just a few of the school horror movies i'd say high school but cooties like i said is an elementary school horror film but um any any of those films that take place in school settings or have to do with school kids i absolutely have a lot of fun with and i'm gonna go ahead and wrap this up i didn't have a rant this week so you guys are safe at least for now for now um boy that was cheesy (laughs) sorry So I'm going to wrap this up. I just wanted to have a quick back to school episode, but please let me know um, what some of your favorite school horror films are. And if you do decide to watch any of these that I talked about, let me know your thoughts about them and any suggestions for ones that I might not even know about because I'm discovering new films that, you know, have been out there that I just never took a time to watch. And now I'm getting into, um, you know, people giving me suggestions about stuff and watching them and being like, damn, this was good. How did I sleep on this motherfucker? But um, yeah, let me know what you think and let me know what you think about this episode or any of the episodes or if there's something you want me to talk about, I will certainly do my best to do that. Uh, Once again, I didn't get to all of the school horror films that, you know, maybe might have been your favorites, but these are a few of my favorites. And um, I really do want the suggestions. If you have any, let me know about any other um, school horror films because those are those are fun to watch, you know, trying to see people escape high school settings. And God, most of us wanted to escape high school. That was a horror story in itself, right? <laughs> At least for some people, us, us nerdy people, us quiet nerdy people. But until next time, just listen out for my voice in the darkness. And I will talk to you then. Bye.